This is Jeffrey Aaron, and welcome to today's Flying Talkers. Yes, the vaccine is on the move. Usual suspects, the people that have been leading the way in packages and seats and carrying cargo where cargo's never been carried before in numbers on passenger aircraft that have never been reached before, you can bet they're in the thick of things right now. We're not naming names, but we're happy to tell you it has begun. But can I tell you a story? I'd like to talk about Ronald Edward George Davies. It's probably somebody you never heard of, heard much about. He died in England nine years ago at age 90. Well, simply said, R.E.G., as we called him, Davies, was and today remains the greatest and most prolific airline historian that ever lived anywhere in the world. His legacy to aviation captured in 25 books and other social efforts are as pioneering and important in scope as many of the subjects he wrote about, including Lindbergh, Earhart, Berlin Airlift, and almost every major airline in the world, past and present. He did a book, I think, on the Berlin Airlift. Pretty sure he did. He was just an incredible aviation historian, maybe the best ever in the world, ever. His service via his immense output of books and research and work as the very first curator of air transport at the National Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. The NSAM is gigantic. Legacy is there. Today, there's little mention of Ron, although thousands of wannabe historians, including myself, daily in our research, owe him much great debt for the body of work he created, telling the histories in exact details with pictures and easy-to-follow index references of mostly every major airline from Delta to Lufthansa to Pan American World Airways to Aeroflot to TWA to British Airways and the airlines of Latin America, plus, plus many, many more. I mentioned 25 books on aviation, but I figure his entire output must have been closer to 40. His, his work was terrific. So here I'd like to make the case that it's time for the Smithsonian, the NASM, to recognize Ron's immense catalog of original work and his unique contributions to inspire others to advance the recording of aviation history that to many of us ranks amongst the greatest stories ever told. Ron's life, great contributions and examples should be celebrated, remembered with a space inside of NASM where he used to give these terrific lectures to mobs of people. He was very, very articulate. He come right up to you and talk to you, had no airs about him at all, diminutive kind of character in person, but always inquisitive. And I, I can recall call going upstairs several times when I was in the NSAM and sitting down with him at his desk and sitting there and sitting and talk, talking for hours or following home, him home on his train to Fairfax, Virginia and talk to him over there. He was the best. He wrote about 
the epic heroes, he wrote about the rebels and the reformers and the dreamers and the doers. That was Ron Davies. Safe to say without Ron, who set the standard for thorough, exacting, and unbiased reporting of the airlines, the story as we know it today would not have been told. Here's the rest of the story. I've been sitting here in COVID-19 2020 lockdown, looking at this photo of Charles Lindbergh, a picture that once served as the cover to a book Ron wrote about the, when he chronicled CAL's first solo Atlantic flight between New York and Paris in 1927. And when my good friend and colleague for more than 30 years, when he died, July 30th, 2011, in Shaftesbury, England. He was 90, as I mentioned at the top. He'd retired in 2011 after returning home from USA to Shaftesbury post-NSAM duties in Washington. I first met Ron while researching my book on the history of Newark Airport. I was trying to save Building 1, the administration building at Newark Airport, that the Port Authority had just left to fall into wreck and ruin. That's a whole different story. We were able to save that building. In fact, it was moved from where it had really sat at the end of one runway over to another part of the field, thanks to uh, some great spirited people, including the director of aviation at the time that I was there, Robert J. Aronson. But that's a whole other story. Point is, I was looking for pictures and I had just discovered this picture of Arshiel Gorky, the artist who painted the murals on the wall that were covered up and ripped out. They found one or two of them. There were 10 panels. Two panels are hanging now in the Newark Museum where they're safe. Um, although I'd love to see them back in the building which has been restored. As I say, that's another story. Well, Ron was the inside guy, see? So when you were doing something, he had the historic information. And I was an airport air cargo type who loved history, all of it. I'd go out and deliver our papers, college campus style at Kennedy LaGuardia and Newark Airport. And uh, that's how I learned the cargo business. I'd run up the stairs in cargo building 80 or over at Newark Airport or someplace, go in and out of offices, go around the fields, deliver papers hand for hand for hand, not just on a coffee table like other publications came in. I would go to the people's desks. I mean, it was a different world. The security was not what it what it is today back in the 1970s, but it was a great way to learn the business and lose yourself in aviation for a day or two every month. After our first encounter, every time I saw him, it was the same thing. We talked for hours about all manner of aviation history, unaware of anything or anyone else in the room. So intense were those conversations. For us, time truly stood still. Perhaps it did so as a favor, for it was in those moments that we could further examine history and pick its pockets of all the information collected as it snowballed through the years. H.G. Wells was spot on when he wrote, quote, there's no difference between time and any of the three dimensions of space, except that our consciousness moves along with it, end quote. Rob was like a time, time machine whose trip was always airborne, aviation-bound. Remember one, one day we were down in McLean, Virginia, and we spent the day with him. And we had a luncheon into the cocktail hour, and he had some of his favorite crisps and a couple of cans of British lager from the Dave's, Dave's refrigerator. 
We were there with uh, Chris Sterling and, and my wife, Sabia. And unfortunately, those two were sort of sidelined, the unwitting victims of Ron and I's ability to prattle about aviation. Ron was packing his boxes to return to the UK to care for his ailing wife, Marjorie. I had the feeling that leaving NSAM was the last thing he wanted to do, as he was still quite robust and totally engaged in putting the finishing touches on another book for the Smithsonian. But his love and devotion for his ride of 63 years held sway, quote, Marjorie was my love throughout every experience of my life. It's time to get back home and look after her, he said quietly. It was during that conversation that he gave me his entire collection of the most favorite books, some 450 in all. Well, Ron's last words to me were naturally about what he thought was going to happen in future commercial transport. I've been able to visit all seven continents, including Antarctica, fly around the world, cross the seven seas many times. Through airline contacts, I interviewed pioneers and leaders of the airline industry worldwide. I sank many a beer with the chairman of the U.S. local service industry, sipped cappuccinos with the great Ruben Berta in Brazil, and possibly my greatest treasured memory was invited to take tea with India's legendary J.R.D. Tata in his suite at the Ashoka Hotel in Delhi in the early 70s. Here's a bit about Ron. He landed at Normandy, as today we recall Pearl Harbor Day, He landed in Normandy in 1944. Ron Davies was educated in Shaftesbury Grammar School. He started to work in London in 1938 and was in the British Army as a territorial volunteer from 1939 until 1946. He spent a year in Iceland training for mountain and Arctic warfare, and he drove his machine gun carrier onto the beaches of Normandy in 1944. After World War II, Ron worked for the Ministry of Civil Aviation, British European Airways, the Bristol Airplane Company, and de Havilland before moving to the United States in 1968 to lead market research for Douglas Aircraft. In 1981, he joined the National Air and Space Museum as the Charles A. Lindbergh Chair in Aerospace History. Davis was a member of three British Royal Societies, the Explorer Club, and others in France and Brazil. He also delivered the Wings Club 37th site lecture in 2000. Great club, that Wings Club, founded by a man named Ansel Talbert. There's another story I'd like to tell you sometime. Ed Talbert worked with us. His last job uh, as a reporter, he had started with the New York Herald Tribune. And he was one of the founders of the Wings Club, still in business here in New York, still gets the top flight guys had uh, top executive uh, Ed Bastian from Delta did an interview. Now we're, in do, I think instead of doing luncheons at, at the Yale Club, they're doing uh, they're doing uh, podcasts and 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 a two-way podcast as well. You can talk to them as well. But anyway, uh, the site lectures have been presented by Igor. Sir- Sikorsky, Werner von Braun, Grover Loning, C.R. Smith, Juan Tripp, Richard Jackson, Neil Armstrong, Al Yulchi, Love Al Yulchi, founder of Flight Safety. The list goes on. His last book, Airlines of the Jet Age, Ron Davies uh, wrote, was, was published in July 2011. 
I want to say a few words about his friend Christopher Sterling, Associate Dean for Special Projects, Columbian College of Arts and Sciences, George Washington University, who created a book about Ron Davies. It's a wonderful book. I hope you'll try to look it up. Uh, he said, I had the great pleasure of being a friend of Ron Davies for most three decades. He lived and worked in Washington. To know the Doyen of world air transport history was both a treat and an honor for me, as few are lucky enough to learn from a true giant. Though I can feel his red pen poised to edit these very words that I'm saying. <laughs> he played a big part in our family's life, especially of our older daughter who helped him produce many of his books. I have especially warm memories of afternoon tea, biscuits, and good conversations over the year, and not all of it about airplanes. His productivity was a model for all of us who write, and was his good cheer and great wit, his perseverance, and his willingness to help and mentor others over the years. The man was absolutely in your face, would not allow you to slack, would push you forward and bring out the best of you in every single way. Because Ron recorded much of what he learned in his books, published since 1964, we have a great, great volume of work that we could study from in the future. And we will miss him, obviously, the man that was behind all that effort. You know, I think of if I had to recommend one book that Ron wrote that you should read, listener, that you could find, uh, it's been reprinted several times. It's the history of the world's airlines since 1964. It's, I don't know, 800 pages. It's so detailed. It's a stream of conscience. It has, has his drawings in it. It has his studies of various things. And you'll learn things you never knew about all kinds of thing, airlines and airlines you never heard of. It's just an incredible book. Uh, History of Airlines Since 1964, R.E.G. Davies, D-A-V-I-E-S. Look it up on, uh, on, on Amazon. And then, of course, you'll come across all of his airline books, which are magnificent. Little, uh, they're 11 by 14 format books, I think, uh, is the size. And they're beautiful uh, 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 aircraft drawings by Mike Machat of all the airplanes, for example, that have ever flown. Uh, via Lufthansa. It's, uh, there's a book on Lufthansa or a, a book on Pan American World Airways. Not just airways that have gone, but they're still here. He did, he did the definitive book on Delta. I'm not talking about tons and tons and tons of copy and little dinky airplane pictures. I'm talking about big airplane pictures, big black and white, the kind of pictures that bring back the past because they, they're so alive, they're so perfectly placed and such great, great writing and, and absolute referenced in every detail. Daniel Cusgrow noted, I knew Ron for, it's his friend from the Washington Airline Society. I knew Ron for over 16 years. I first met him through the Washington Airline Society. He was gracious in my air transport history researches. His office at NASM was like a mini museum. 
on one entire wall with the individual airline research binders. Another wall held file drawers filled with vintage airline timetables, his primary source material. Each airline got a binder with meticulous handwritten notes, hand-drawn maps and charts and diagrams. Plus, there were letters Ron had written to the executive of the airlines and their replies. It seemed like every airline executive or CEO had time to write a reply to Ron. These people respected him. Flying Talkers podcast is brought to you today by ATC, One World, One Global, GSSA. Contact ATC COVID Vaccine Task Force Specialists as we get ready for the big push to help cure the world of this dreaded disease. Contact Thomas Baumert. He's the Group Pharma Specialist at ATC. Contact Volker Donkaki. He's the Group Manager of Charter and Solutions at ATC. And they're both available at vaccine at atc-aviation.com. ATC Aviation Services represent 70 airlines in 32 countries, and we're ready to serve you. Solutions are developed with our global airline partners on their existing scheduled networks covering 500 destinations, as well as on dedicated freighter and prater charters. So stay home, stay clean, stay safe, and leave delivering the vaccine to us. ATC, one global air cargo solution. Dear Jeffrey, I've been very fortunate to meet many people who've had a love of civilian transport as much as me. Many people know my love of commercial aircraft and how I sometimes can talk your ears off when you get me near an airplane. One person who loved this industry as much as me was Ronald Edward George Davies, the first curator of air transport at the National Air and Space Museum in the Smithsonian in Washington. When I arrived to work at Washington Dulles International Airport on a new position with United Airlines in 1988, I decided to see if I could volunteer on my days off at the National Air and Space Museum. It was one of my favorite places in the world. To see the spirit of St. Louis, the Enola Gay, and the Apollo 11 space capsule all together within a few feet of each other was quite a feeling every time I walked into the building. I applied with the Smithsonian and they asked me to come to their headquarters and speak to the lady that set up people like me that had an interest and wanted to volunteer. It didn't take her long to tell me about the curator of air transport looking for someone to volunteer to help him on some of his projects. A few days later, I get my security badge and go to the meeting, meet the curator, and it's Ron Davies. The little short Englishman met me underneath Lindbergh's plane, looking through his thick glasses. Little did I know I had made a friend for life after I told him about my exploits as a 14-year-old kid who decided to take a trip to Los Angeles and back one day without telling my folks. Man, we hit it off right away. 
Ron was a very headstrong individual and had a desk loaded with papers. He had the largest collection of airline timetables in the world, I thought, a huge catalog case that took up a third of his office. He would call British Airways up every few weeks to see what the latest price was on the Concorde from JFK to Heathrow, then pull a piece of paper out of the drawer that he would scribble the amount down for the survey he'd been keeping since the plane first started service. He felt the Concorde was a bunch of nonsense, and he wrote a book about it. Ron had worked for de Havilland and then for Douglas, marketing the DC-8. He had traveled the world and he knew almost every airline executive. Some of them would just show up at security at the museum, just dropping by to say hello. Once he had answered a call from security while I was with him and he would say, don't they have a courtesy to call ahead of time? I'm a busy man. Next thing I know, I go down to fetch the CEO of Air France to meet with Ron. Yeah, that's the way he was. I'm going to interject here. I was in the uh, National Air and Space Museum with the executives Joe and Karen Frigger from uh, Emotrans. And we were just, well, I wanted to show them the place and walk in there. And so I called up, uh, I called up Ron upstairs and, and the security guard called Ron. And Ron came down and he looked at me and uh, he smiled and he said, Oh, I thought you were a flying tiger. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have said that, you know, flying tigers, flying typers, you know, that kind of thing. He had a great sense of humor. He was just, just a wonderful guy. Of course, he took a picture and, and, and I left the tour. Our ho I left our hosts sort of not holding the bag because they had other things to do, thank God for that. But I sat upstairs for at least an hour and a half while they all toured the Smithsonian, and Ron and I got back into it again. Crisps and coffee and, uh, and conversation. And I have to admit, I was especially pleased. I had written a book for ACI uh, called Great Airports Worldwide, a compendium, 800 pages on the history of the airports of the world. And upstairs where they have the offices and the Smithsonian research people, they have a bunch of books around, sort of a common library in the middle. And I was pleased to note that uh, my book was there. Even though I don't think it was terribly well-worn, It was I felt really honored to see it there. And, uh, you know, everybody says you get 15 minutes of fame. I guess that probably was, that was mine. Anyway, back to our mystery letter writer here, who says, I worked on a research book called The Commuter Airlines of the World for Ron. He was very picky about not writing in cursive and printing out all my notes on certain size paper. But Ron would always pick my brain about airline stuff and was interested in my thoughts about aircraft types and route networks, airports, and my travel that I did around the world. He would invite me to come along to the desert in Arizona to see planes and stories that were part of the Smithsonian collection, including the Boeing 36780, which was the 707 prototype and resides today in the Udvar Hazy Center on Dulles Airport. I left DC for a while and I came back to be managing director of cargo for the Air Transport Association. These were the days of 911 and I was in the midst of air cargo security. Ron called me to see how I was doing, but wanted to know what I thought was going to happen with our industry. Shortly thereafter, we would try to meet up every couple of months for lunch, and he was so curious about the airlines. I would occasionally show up for his 
brown bag lunch days where he would speak with visitors in the museum about a part of the airline history, like the founding of the airmail routes. I would stand in back and watch as a new generation learned from the little man who knew every little bit about our aviation history. We continued our luncheons quite frequently until he finally retired from the Smithsonian. The last lunch was just as energetic as the first. The Englishman from Kent had a passion for aviation like no other person I've ever met. Many of us have his famous coffee table books and his hand-drawn early route maps, Pan Am, Lufthansa, Continental, Delta, TWA, Aeroflot, and several more of his books are in many of our bookcases. I cherish mine because he would give them to me for my help on his book and, and as a friend. It's too bad we don't have Ron here to write about our industry's latest challenges with COVID-19. I'm sure he would have a plan to get things flying again and a few comments as well about what airlines might be doing right or wrong. Thanks, Jeffrey, for not letting us forget about Ron. He is someone that lives on in his books and in our memories always. Sincerely, Mike White, President, Cargo Network Services, CNS. You know, Mike is going to retire in a couple of weeks. I guess, I don't know, December, January, some point, he's going to be gone. Kind of guy that's been top executive at a critical air cargo organization. The letter he wrote, right from the heart, right off the shoulder, right to your heart. Thanks for that, Mike. I'll be right back. I want to mention Christopher Sterling is an American media historian. He's a professor of media and public affairs at the George Washington University, where he has taught since 1982. He wrote a book called Airlines, Charting Air Transport History with R.E.G. Davies. It's a hardcover. It was published in May 2016. Um, He wrote it with Jackie Scott Mandeville, who's the uh, editor of the book, who's Ron's daughter. And unbeknownst to all of us, when we were sitting saying goodbye to Ron in McLean, Virginia, and I was loading up my Volkswagen bus outside with his books. He gave me his entire collection, personal collection of books, as I mentioned, autographs and the such. Little did we know we'd never see the guy again. He went home to take care of his wife, Marjorie, and he died quietly very shortly after he got home. And I keep thinking, what a terrible thing to happen to his wife Marjorie and his daughter and everybody that was welcoming him home. Yeah, it was tough to lose Ron, but his problems were over in a second. And he died very peacefully, apparently outside in the garden or something. Rather sad, poignant story. But then Chris got together with Jackie and they put together this book, um, you know, that, that's, that's just out of this world. Airlines, charting, air transport history. R.E.G. Davies. And it's available on Amazon. Right now, it's a very limited run, so you can find some used copies. 
comes a couple of new copies, kind of expensive, but you can also get it on Kindle for 10 or 12 or 14 dollars or something. I have to check that out. You could check it out as well. But if you want to read like the best hits of or or the the greatest the greatest thing that he brought forward to all of us, we all got to write something in that book as well. Uh, his friends and people were involved with him. And it's really a terrific, terrific read. Christmas time might be something to do. Or if you're like I am, you're a nut for an airline and you want to, if you'd like to read the best history of, uh, uh, of uh, the rebels and reformers of the airways, the guys, the guys that, uh, that you wouldn't expect to read about anywhere else, uh, people like Ralph O'Neill, who founded NIRBA, the New York Rio Buenos Aires Airline, which was the became the best part of Pan American World Airways when Pan Am found out how they could steal, after the stock market crash, that company from Ralph O'Neill. Or if you want to read about uh, some of the other characters that have been around in aviation that made a difference and are re- relatively unheralded today, Rebels and Reformers is a terrific book to read, and that's available as well on Amazon. So I thought I'd say Christmas coming up, there might be some some interest there. This is Jeffrey Aaron. Sir, you're coming coming to the end of a very long and distinguished career. Could you tell me, sir, who's the most interesting person you met or a couple of people that you met that made an impression upon you that you think about today? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, dear. Sure. You should have given the advance notice because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm getting old, so I've met so many people. I think the most recent one is Frank Lorenzo. Yeah. The notorious Frank Lorenzo. He's very interesting. And every time I've met him, when I was doing the uh, doing my book on Continental Airlines, I interviewed him in 1984. And uh, I found him, he's the uh, devil incarnate, mm. according to all the pilots. But I found him to be a perfect gentleman. Yeah. What was it about him? I mean, just his mannerism or what well, he, I how he asked, thought about I, it was just when uh, Continental Airlines, he'd just broken up Continental Airlines yeah. because the pilots wouldn't talk to him about reduce. That was when Continental was u- losing one and a half million dollars a day. Yeah. And nearly all the employees at Continental, including Lorenzo himself, had taken a pay cut and the pilots wouldn't even talk to him. And yeah. I interviewed him and he said, uh, I was his secretary, who only retired recently, Millie. Uh, Millie said, oh, yes, I'll arrange a meeting for you at six o'clock this evening. He'll spend a few minutes. Um, I, he gave me almost an hour, and we just chatted, and he explained to me, he said, I, how can you, uh, he said, I'm, and that's when he closed down the airline, if you remember, and the pilots got their revenge later. Yeah. But, um, I, and, I'm going to interview him again at his ranch up in New Jersey soon. So he's one of the most people I've. But I, I, uh, I, I, oh, I must tell you about. I once 
had tea with J.R.D. Tata, the founder of Air India. I was at a conference in Delhi, um, at a big um, conference of the uh, uh, Travel Association Group International, PATA, yes. Pacific Area Travel Association. They yes. were holding their annual session in uh, Delhi and in the Ashoka Hotel, and J.R.D. had a suite of rooms and I phoned his secretary and said, would it be possible to interview him? He invited me up for tea, and I sat across rather like this, and with a, they brought in a tray of tea and cakes, and I had tea with J.R.D. Tata. Yeah. I'm very proud of, of that. What did you ask him? I just asked him, oh, very general, about it. Yeah. And he was the man who founded Air India, and 50 years later, he flew the same aeroplane to uh, to England. Wow. Fifty years later, he was a great player. And, of course, in the end, the uh, bureaucrats in Delhi got rid of him, and uh, Air India started to go downhill. Yeah. Would Freddie Laker be somebody? Uh, yes, list? thank you. Yeah, yeah Freddie. Yeah. Oh, I knew Fred very well. Yeah. And uh, his wife made a lovely cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I was. I remember I was standing at the loo once at Douglas because I was head of market research at Douglas. And Douglas I was standing Aircraft. In the gents' loo, and the boy said, "I said hi, Ron." And there was Fred next to me. Jeez, did, did he ever tell you about flying monkeys into uh, in, into London on converted Lancaster bombers from India during when no, they were doing? I, I guess he was probably one of them. They they did yeah. it for. Um, scientific research. Yeah, he, yeah, well, they always try to keep it kind of hush-hush. I'll tell you one thing, you know one of the airplanes, British airplanes, yeah. uh, the uh, Avro Tudor? Yeah. I remember Peter Maysfield, for, well, Peter Maysfield has to be, yeah. I worked for Peter Maysfield directly wow. as one of his staff for nine, nine years. Wow. And I remember at the ministry in 1947 when the Tudor was, they were trying to resurrect it. And he came into the office and we were talking about it. And he said, I know two things about the Tudor. I do not know which is the Ruder. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah. I've got, I've got a, uh, I, my picture is in, uh, Sir Peter Maysfield wrote his book. And, uh, before leaving BEA, where he was the head man of yeah. what you call a president, he had a picture taken of all his staff. and. I'm, I'm in that picture. Yeah. So Peter Maysfield and Freddie Laker. And I must mention Clarkson. Richard Clarkson. Oh my goodness! Yes, he was the chief aerodynamicist of of um, De Havilland for, and I came theoretically under him. I was in. Uh, I was head of market research there. I started the market research group there, and I. He was a, an acerbic individual, uh, highly intellectual. He did all the beautiful aerodynamics of those beautiful de Havilland aeroplanes. And he was, uh, he used to, he used to ride the, uh, uh, ride to the hounds. <laughs> and, uh, but he was known, you had to be careful with him. He was a very, uh, uh, he couldn't stand falls glad, uh, gladly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he, he couldn't couldn't stand he couldn't stand many intelligent people kindly either. 
And I always remember at one meeting, I was a quite junior, I was a, I was a manager, but I went to a meeting once to discuss some esoteric subject about the new aeroplane, and there were about four or five directors at his meeting. We all sat round a table, and uh, after about three quarters of an hour discussing this, he said, right, uh, let us uh, sum up what our conclusions, and he asked each one of us, we, we went round the table one by one, and asked what they thought, and I was the last one, and the most junior, and by the time it got to me, uh, everybody else had already said what I was going to say, so I thought, I can't just repeat it, I better think of something, so I said something, I thought I said something. And there was a long silence when old Clarkson, uh, he didn't dare interrupt his long silences. And he said, well, thank you, Davis, for that penetrating statement of the obvious. <laughs> and ever since then, I've learned never to say anything if I've got nothing to say. <laughs> So how can we honor and bring forward the work of Ron Davies? My feeling is there should be a room at Smithsonian. There should be a quiet place people can sit and look at his work and study what he had to say about these various companies. Certainly the public is interested in the commercial airlines. They have airplanes from another era hanging all over the place. And certainly the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum has been there long enough to even honor its founder, Paul Garber, with that facility over in, uh, in Maryland. So it would be a great idea, I think, to have a reading room or some place where people could come in and focus on the works of Ron Davies. The wonderful maps that he drew, the parallels that he drew, how he told stories and the conclusions he drew. He educated himself in my mind, all about aviation by simply talking to people, by talking to people that were enthusiastic. And then he did the great thing that any reporter worth his salt will do. He'll go out and he'll see what he can verify. He trusted, but he verified. And then he told you exactly where everything came from so you could look into it further yourself. As I mentioned earlier in this set, it would be like an education because you could then go out and open up all kinds of new doors and discover things yourself. That happened to me personally, firsthand, in a couple of instances. And in a couple of instances, you move forward using him as an example of the way to do things, to uncover history, to tell the real story, to stand for something in the business or in the pursuit of what you're doing so you don't fall for anything. He was a tough nut, but he was also a great teacher, a great mentor, and he should be remembered in the annals of a place that brings together all this disparate information from all over the world. This is the foundation of how to make that particular place and that information stream even greater. Honor Ron Davies put something up in the National Air and Space Museum and said, hey, this is a guy that came essentially from the PR department of Douglas Aircraft, came in here 
and change the way we look at things. My thoughts, and if you've got some, please do share them with me. Write to me at aircargonews at mac.com. I'm happy to read your letters and to share them with the rest of our audience and also with the people down in Washington when we get back to normal after this COVID. This is Jeffrey Arendt. Once, while up in the air, I really thought I was about to die, Ron Davies told me. I was on a TWA flight out of Lisbon. The captain started to announce problems with one of the engines. First was an apology that would delay us into New York, that we might have to stop at the Azores. Then, we would have to. Then the captain suggested that on landing in the Azores, we should practice the emergency evacuation procedures just in case an engine catches fire, quote unquote, he said. I realized the problem was serious, unconnected with the engines. Hydraulic, electric, or other system defects would not demand such an emergency. I then suspected there might even be a bomb on board. When on approach to Santa Maria Airport, he instructed us to be down the slides and out of the airplane in 90 seconds. I mentally said goodbye to my family. It had been a false alarm, but this was not made certain until the U.S. bomb squad arrived from Madrid to search the airplane, the baggage, and us. Asked what he would rather miss upon his retirement, I asked him, Davies said, at the risk of sounding unforgivably banal, the professional companionship of my curatorial colleagues. My, my, my. Serving under five museum directors over the years, we have often held different views and sometimes strongly expressed them, but I don't remember a single harsh word. I shall happily say farewell to the lack of public transport in the Washington suburbs, which forces everyone to spend half their lives in cars. Well, NASM that has gathered the greats of aviation has another one to honor soon, R.A.G. Davies. Here in New York, that Lindbergh cover I mentioned at the top is still staring at me. The connections, I guess, are quite plain. Ron is a chronicler, conservationist, author, and historian, was self-taught and made, just like all of those early pioneer pilots. He left us an immense body of work, and in that lies an expert, yet accessible, expansive, yet exquisitely detailed roadmap to the future. Simply put, we will not see his kind again. I mean, we're always hopeful, but let's face it. Great men came in and walked through our lives. He should be recalled, and his work especially should be recalled. It's like a beacon. 
This is Jeffrey Aaron. I'm thanking you for your time this time until next time. Be safe. Wear your mask. Look out for that vaccine. It's coming by air cargo sooner than you think. And as I mentioned at the top, it's in the air right now. And you'll be hearing about it. See you soon. Goodbye. Speak to me. Good, Lou.